speak kindly to your inner self. Don't take your demons view. You are you and no one else will lead the life you do. Kill your inner critic and silence all his chatter. Then write this truth inside your brain. I'm worth it and I matter. This is Teller Talk Conversations with an Opinionated Black Man. I am your host, Mr. Huff, and it starts now. special guest um, on this week, um, somebody that I uh, was really excited to bring on to the podcast. Um, I think she uh, is a really dope energy, um, and I wanted to kind of pick her brain about uh, some of the things that she's passionate about. Um, this person who I'm going to introduce, uh, she has a master's uh, in public health uh, and healthcare administration, uh, so she is an, an educated black woman, so shout out to her. Uh, she is also an entrepreneur. Uh, she has a home health care business entitled Blooming You. And I think one of the dopest things about her is she also uh, created and founded a scholarship program uh, called the Ayana J Scholarship, um, where she awards uh, scholarships to two students a year. So without further ado, um, listeners, please welcome my special guest this uh, evening, or this morning, rather, um, Ayana Bennett. You're far too kind. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> hey, um, yeah, hey, we, we, we're clearly getting ready to start the nonsense now. So thanks for coming on to the show. Appreciate you Thank for you. joining me. Thank um, you for having me. You made me sound way more important than I really am. Oh, so I appreciate it. it. Stop it, stop it. Absolutely. Um, you know, you gotta I believe in, you know, paying homage to people while while, you know, as the saying goes, giving them their flowers while they can still smell them. So, you know, it was important for me to give you your accolades and give you your praise. So um definitely um shout out to you for that. Um so I, I kinda wanna um talk about a couple things, you know. Um kinda, you know, want you to introduce yourself a little bit, talk about essentially what you do, a little bit about what you do, a little background on that. Um, and then I want to go ahead and get into your uh, your scholarship. So tell us a little bit about what you do. Um, so currently I'm the wellness program coordinator of a children's hospital. And essentially what I do is I manage the health and well-being of the employees. And that includes all employees stemming from the janitor to the providers. Cool. So my job is to decrease physician burnout. 
physician burnout, nurses, nursing um, burnout, and just make sure that they are physically well, mentally well, spiritually well. So then in turn, they can help take care of the babies, people, and, you know, just be well within themselves. Awesome. I think that's a great initiative. That's, that's, uh, I would say that's a really, really big, um, like feat or role, um, especially when you're caring for those who care for. Um, so what, what, what interested you in getting into that, um, that particular field? Um, so originally I taught like group exercise classes. When I first graduated, I taught group exercise classes at like the YMCA, Plymouth Meeting Community Center. And I just, that, that was just what I did. I guess, you know, they say when you graduate, you never really go into, you know, your career path. Um, but from there, I, one day I got this break and I was a corporate, I was a corporate wellness, uh, administrator or something. And that's when I learned about the whole managing the employee as a whole and not just their physical. Uh, holistic approach. Got it. Okay. So from there, I was just like, wow, it's crazy that people who help other people seldomly take care of themselves. Yeah. And how they have to bring, you have to, they, you have to physically bring someone in to force them to take care of themselves. Yeah. That makes, with you saying that, it actually makes a lot of sense because I kind of, you know, I growing up, I grew up in a very religious family. Um, so I grew up um, as a Christian or in the Christian faith, rather. Um, and my grandmother was a missionary. Um, so that was one of the things that we would always get on my mom about was, you know, she was consistently you know, looking after others, you know, like making sure everyone else was good and making sure Bishop was okay. And, you know, just certain people. And it's like, my mom, like you, you slept two hours or you, you know, you haven't eaten yet or your feet are, are hurting. And it's like, my mom, you have to sit down and, you know, take care of yourself as well. But, you know, I mean, I guess when people, um, as my grandmother would say, ha- has the gift and that gift of helps, um, they, they just tend to kind of lose themselves in that gift. So, Definitely. I, I would definitely co-sign that uh, statement that people tend not to take care of themselves, those who take care of others. Well, I, I think that's a super, super dope uh, uh, career. Um, I, it sounds like it's something that you love to do on a daily basis. I do. I, I love what I do and I love what I do so much that it, it kind of stems over into my regular regular life because I'm constantly asking people like, OK, if you're doing all of this for everyone else, who's taking care of you? Or who, if everyone's venting to you, who can you vent to? You know, I literally, I ask my friends this all the time. Wow. So you actually live what you do. I think that is ultra dope. That is super dope that you're actually able to live what you do. I think that that, that adds to the authenticity of what you do as well. Because it's not, I guess you don't, and, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, I guess you wouldn't actually look at your career as a job per se. I don't. And I think that's why I've been in it for so long. Because I know, as we mentioned before we started recording, this is the second health system that I worked for. Um, and I I love it. When people ask me what's next, I'm like, I don't know, because I love what I do. I love what I do so much. And it affects so many different people. And I get to meet so many different people. And I get to hear so many different people's stories. And I get to hear how I've impacted their life. So awesome. much that it mean, it means everything to me at this point. Awesome. And so it sounds like, and um, I know uh, like where I uh, work at, uh, we have what's considered like employee engagement. 
So are you, would you say that what you do is centered around you facilitate and coordinate um, like a, a healthy work-life balance? Is that like what your like purpose is? That's exactly what I do. Awesome. And I create programs, incorporate programs. And I also reach out and get other people's opinions on programs because at the end of the day, I'm an employee. So as, as a administrative employee, I can't really tell a provider what they might need. You know, because what I might need is totally different from what they might need. Clearly, they're there more hours than me. I'm regular nine to five, you know, shift. And they're doing a lot and they're seeing a lot of different things during their work shift. So I'm constantly asking them, like, you know, I could create as many programs as I want. But what exactly do you need? What do you need? What do you feel like you could benefit from in the rest of the providers or even with the nurses? What do you feel like you can benefit from? Because I'm not a nurse. I can give a general overview, but I am not a nurse. I'm not down in the NICU or the PICU. I'm not, you know, seeing babies that are, you know, I don't even think I could live with myself if I had to do that job. Oh. It, you know what? I think that's very interesting because one one of the things that I, I would like to highlight here, and it just by what you said and how you articulated it, um, lets me know that what you do, you actually do your job well. Um, and I say that because one of the... Um, so for example, like what I actually do for a living, you know, being in management, sometimes management or even being in administration, sometimes people lose focus on the other person or the other job title. And oftentimes when we sit behind these board meetings and we have these conference calls and we sit and we plan and we plan and we sit, one, one of the things that I think sometimes we lose focus on is we lose focus on the people that are actually in it. And when we offer suggestions for people who have a completely different job title and responsibility, I think we do them a great disservice by not including them in the conversation because who better to tell you what they need than the person that's in need, right? So I think what you said was incredible because like I said, this is one of the things that I try to dr drill down in my meetings, um, especially being young, black, and in management, you, you, you sometimes don't always, you know, get the nod or they don't always take you the, the most serious when you're offering suggestions. But I think that's a an incredible thing because that's something that I preach a lot of why not bring this particular, you know, and it doesn't have to be everyone, but why not bring someone in from this field? Why not bring someone in from this department and get feedback directly and we can better serve if we have direct feedback from who we are trying to serve? So I think that's incredible. Um, the, just kind of moving to your your uh, your entrepreneurship, what what spun you into like how how do you manage having a career and also owning the home health aid business? So so far, I have the company, but we haven't did our big launch yet. Okay. So that's coming soon. But I wanted it plugged so that people know that we will be launching later on in the month or early March. Awesome. Okay. Shout out to Bloom You. And what 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 drove you to want to start a home healthcare? I mean, I I can see the similarities of what you do from a career path um that would translate to uh your entrepreneur um ambitions. Uh so what is is that is it is your is your career path what kind of drove that or did you just have a separate passion specifically uh for home healthcare? Um no, my passion is always helping people. Okay. And 
any capacity that I can. And I think that sometimes when people look for help to help, whether it's their grandmother, their mom, or someone they can't care for, some of these people, some of these people and these employees that work for these companies, they lack compassion. And they care more about the paycheck than the actual person. Okay. And I think that we just need more compassionate people in the world. So I'm all for, you know, helping people health-wise, whether it's mentally, physically, spiritually, again. So that will be the, you know, what my company is what we stand for. Awesome. Not just not just throwing an employee out there like, hey, can you go to this person's house and do do this? You know, I want these people to actually be passionate and care about someone because if I was to hire someone to take care of my mom, I would want them to be compassionate. I would actually want them to care about what they do opposed to just clocking in and clocking out. I think that's a great, great, great position. I agree 100%. I don't think I could have articulated that any any, any more better. Um, and then also, I, I want to talk to you about, so speak a little bit about your scholarship. I think that's, uh, that, that is probably the most exciting thing um, that um, I, I like that you do. Um, I think it's super dope um, that you're giving back um, in such a big way um, by starting your um, this scholarship. So talk, talk a little bit about how, how did you get into that and what, what spawned that? And um, yeah, just kind of kind of give us some information on that. So my scholarship, the Ayana J Scholarship, it's a scholarship at Bloomsburg University, which is, of course, where I received my undergrad degree. Um, I award two students with $1,000 a piece. And actually, my partner from Blooming U, she actually had a scholarship first. Okay. And I was like, her name is Kimberly Abney, Dr. Kimberly Abney now. Shout out to Dr. Um, Adley. Yeah, so... She was actually the person that plugged me in because I'm like, how did you get a scholarship? You know, typically we know that we have our kids apply to scholarships when they want to go to schools or we apply to scholarships, but we never look into like, how, how did these people get them? I always assumed, honestly, that in order for somebody to get a scholarship, you had to be famous and, or you had to like die like some type of way. That's what I thought. Um, and that was very naive of me, especially since I was awarded all scholarships when I went to Bloomsburg, I basically got a free ride. Awesome. So this scholarship was my way of giving back to minority students that are from Philadelphia. My guidelines, you have to be from Philadelphia and you have to be in the Act 101 program at Bloomsburg University, which is basically a minority program for students that come from the inner city that didn't, that scored like, you know, low on the S, um, SATs. Okay. Or had a low GPA. This is their opportunity to, you know, increase their GPA by taking classes over the summer. And just it created a safe space for us to feel wanted. I was a part of the Act 101 program. So this was my opportunity to give back to someone that might look like me. Wow. That's incredible. Now, I how do so because I guess like what you just to piggyback on what you said, I always thought that scholarships came from endowments. So like someone who was well off and maybe, you know, giving back to their alma mater and they, you know, like set up a scholarship as like and, and again, this is an out of being, you know, strictly naive. I thought it was sort of like a tax write off, like when they give an endowment and they, you know, kind of shelter money by setting up, you know, um, uh scholarship. So how, how, how do you come up with the funds in order to like, is this your, like, do you donate $2,000 to the, 
to the scholarship or do you raise money in order to provide these scholarships? No, it's my money. Wow. It's absolutely my money. I remember I posted my scholarship a while back on Instagram and somebody commented under under it and was like, yeah, I'd be surprised if these students even get the money or where does the money even come from? It was like a spam page. And I'm like, actually, <laughs> the money comes from me. I know exactly where the money comes from. And I know exactly who it goes to because the good part about it is they have these students write you a letter to show how you've impacted their life. And they send you a picture, they write you a letter and you get to meet them. You get to meet them in a spring banquet. So I've gotten, I've got a chance to meet everyone that I've given a scholarship to. That is super dope. Wow. Shout out to Ayana. I wish I had like a, like a soundboard where I could do like a round of applause here. Like that was like, that was super dope. Like, Wow, I I had no idea that you you flipped the bill for uh, two scholarships. So that's that's that even makes that initiative even that much more greater. So, congrat! Wow, I'm I'm speechless now. That was that that's incredible. No, Shout but don't get it twisted. Still a little bit poor. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know what? The point, the fact of the matter is, you're giving back, and I think <laughs> it's it's. I think it truly aligns with your your purpose um, because to work in a career path corporately in wellness, well-being, holistic health, to have a ambitions and goals and to, to actually bring to fruition your entrepreneur uh, spirit in home health aid. And then also not like, that's not enough, ladies and gentlemen, not not only do I want to do all of this, now I also want to reach in my pockets and provide $2,000 of my hard-earned cash, hard-earned cash, to a less fortunate individual to try and help them in some way, shape, or form in school. Round of applause. You know what? Round of applause for Miss Ayana. That, that, that is a hell of a, hell of a feat. That is a hell of a job. Great job to you. Um, I am I am absolutely honored to have you on this podcast today. See, I did the right thing by bringing you on. See, I did the <laughs> right thing. I knew by bringing Ayana onto this podcast, it would be the right idea. So, uh, and I'm honored. I'm honored. Well, I'm listen. honored to have the chance to conversate. <laughs> oh God, uh, we just we just we just spent a solid twenty minutes having a really good banter <laughs> and dialogue about all of her accomplishments, and this woman goes and says conversate. Let me just have a sip of this bourbon real quick. Okay, so um, again, thank you so much for joining. Um, obviously, you know why we're here. Um, we're here to have an open discussion in regards to a topic, all right? Um, this week's topic, I know I've spoke, spoken about this in previous uh, podcast episodes, but everything that I have spoken about this topic has obviously been from my perspective. Um, and from how I view things. Now, I regard myself as being a very eclectic, educated, you know, well thought out analytical person. But I think it's always good to have a conversation, an open dialogue with someone who not only lives, breathes, walks, talks this, obviously, as Miss Ayana does, but um, it, it's also important to have a different perspective and to have a different voice in the room. So one of the things, you know, or, or, or this week's topic rather is mental health. And, um, you know, in, in pre-production, I had a conversation with uh, Ayana and, and I 
told her what the purpose of my podcast, what the passion uh, for me to actually create a podcast was for. Um, and it, it makes me feel incredibly happy and 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 excited the fact that I was able to um just just by nature and by, by virtue like I think we actually we we met one time do you remember when we met no <laughs> all right so I'm getting ready to real quick story time so me and Ayana actually met one time I had my daughter Ouija I was on in ShopRite by Fox Chase oh <laughs> <laughs> and at first I didn't know who the hell that was and I had my daughter Ouija was still wearing diapers. I still remember. I don't know what why I was in. I know I had just left my mom's house. Either I just left my mom's house because my mom lived around the corner from there, or I just dropped Poppy off. And I just remember you said something smart. And I turned around like, who in the f-? like? And then I was like, oh snap. And it, again, this was somebody we connected just based on social media, which I think can be a gift and a curse. Uh, but we connected via social media. Um, and I, I would say that we, we've grown to be IG friends because, you know, we joke periodically and we exchange banter on a, on a regular basis. But it's just it, it's great to have you on the podcast, because, again, based on my initiatives of why I started this, I think you really, really fit the motive. And, and I appreciate you for being here. Um, so, again, we're, we're, we're talking about mental health. Um, and we're, we're, we're going to dive into it. And, and I really want to pick your brain about some things in regards to mental health. Um, so to, to begin the conversation about mental health, I would like, in, in your words, um, I would like you to tell me what you believe mental health to be. Like, what is mental health in the words of Miss Ayanna Bennett? Oh my gosh, you surely did not prep me for this. <laughs> not supposed to. <laughs> I told you. Oh, I, think everybody I, should know I, not, <laughs> I need everybody to know I was not prepped for this. Okay. This is all candid conversation, folks. She I told her I wasn't giving her any of the questions that I had in pre-production. So this everything that you're getting is raw. You heard it here first. Oh my God. I think that. Well, okay. So it's not that I think, but to me, mental health is basically the way a person handles the everyday like stressors of life. Okay. And that could be anything. Like, oh my God, you just threw this. I knew what I was doing. <laughs> I know. Oh was my like, God. I think it's just like this okay it's this thing right okay and it's how you handle the different things of your life so depending on what you go through mental health is like how you handle it and it's this it's a matter of your well-being and yeah that's okay. what I have. <laughs> so, you know, no, but you know what? In, in, in fairness, I think, you know, just to polish that up, because I actually echo those sentiments, um, I, I would agree. I, I believe mental health and not from like a Webster's or any political standpoint. I truly believe that mental health is the mental fortitude or the mental stability and how you choose to navigate the ebbs and flows of life, right? No one's prone or or immune, rather, I'm sorry, no one's immune to, you know, life, 
you know, life happens in many different ways. Some of us, you know, have better positions and better opportunities than others. But um, one, one thing that my grandmother used to tell me, God rest her soul, one of the things my grandmother used to tell me a long time ago was there are only two things promised in life, taxes and death, right? And it's like those two things, no matter who you are, what your you know tax bracket is, no matter what your bank statement says at the end of the month, no matter where you live, what your zip code is, one day you're going to have to pay taxes and one day you're going to have to die, right? And I think because of that, the, the commonality just of the human race is that we all have to have some sort of mental stability and how we navigate through life on a day-to-day basis. Now, obviously, some of us have better alternatives, better opportunities based on, you know, where we are in life and, you know, where we come from. You know, some some of us are, are, are more fortunate than others, but it's still some sort of, again, mental stability or fortitude to maintain a level-headedness about you know, how you, you navigate through life. So I I certainly do echo what you said 100%. Um, but it, then, then it would lead me to ask you, why is mental health important? And not on, not on, can I I just say like, wow, clearly we Googled this definition before you asked me, because you're throwing out some pretty big words. I thought we discussed this. (laughs) (laughs) Outside of that, you're mentioning taxes and I'm trying to figure out where's mine. You almost triggered me, but uh, no, we're com- we're conversating. We're conversating. This is this, we are trying to conversate. Okay, we're con- this is a conversate here. Okay, <laughs> um, listen. Okay, so so I based on what you do, like your background and how you obviously you live your life on a day to day basis. You obviously sound like a very caring person. You obviously sound like a great friend, a great daughter. A great lover, um, no pun intended. But you, 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 you sound you sound like an incredibly well-rounded person. Um, why is mental health important, though? Like what? Because I believe you know it's fair to say again. Everyone that is a fan of the show and everyone that listens to the show understands that anytime I have a conversation, my conversation is targeted to the black community. My conversation is directed to the black community. So obviously there's a huge stigma with mental health in the black community. Why would you think that is? You know, because people just aren't, people aren't ready to deal with their shit and face the reality of what it really was or what it is, what it was and what it is. And mental health is important because it affects those relationships that you just mentioned. Like, yes, it affects you being a good friend, being a good daughter, being a good parent, being a good lover. Your mental health affects all of those things because you're putting these things out into the universe, you know, and other people are taking it in. So if I'm suffering from depression, you know, the first person that's probably going to feel that is my son because that's who's with me every single day. And I think it's a stigma because us as Black people, we were, we were brought up sweeping things under the rug. Like we were brought up to not be allowed to show our emotions as women and as men, you know, as a woman is like, no, you're supposed to take care of home. You got to be the strong one. Got to take care of your kids. You got to have your man back regardless of what they do. And as a man, you're the head of the household. So of course, on a day that 
you just can't take anymore, you still have to put your game face on. You have to walk out that door and know that you're walking out because you have to take care of your family. So in the black community, we're taught to just sweep things under the rug. We're taught to sweep our emotions under the rug. Interesting. That is a, I think that is a very interesting uh, perspective. I, I, I think it's more of an interesting perspective, interesting perspective. Um, and I, I really want to get your thoughts on this um, because one of the things that I, and I've had this conversation with some of my close friends um, whom, whom I've spoken with about this topic. And one of the things that obviously we talked about this in pre-production, um, like I, I did a lot, I do a lot of reading, right? And a lot of my literature that I consume on a day-to-day basis is targeted to black communities, right? So it, it really talks about, you know, um, you know, the, the the different obstacles that we've had to face to overcome, you know, the 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 clear gap in 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 um places and and paradigms that we have amongst the races, right? And one of the things that I've 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 always been I don't I don't, I don't know if I want to say curious, but in my very different way of thinking. Um, so I, I understand that, you know, we, we, the black community as a whole has a really, really unique story in America. Right. And, and knowing what we've come from and all of the, the, the shit that we, that hasn't been uncovered, you know, that our ancestors and our forefathers, you know, actually went through in order for us to stand in the freedoms that we have today. I think it's it's sort of like a, a a double-sided coin from the perspective of so when you look at the conditions of our forefathers the people that were brought here from western africa you know and and completely you know manipulated and forced into a way of life that nobody no human being should ever be subject to and you force this, this people. You strip these people um, of their 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 culture. You strip these people of their language. You strip these people of their native names, and you bring them to a foreign land, and you demand them to overwork and undercompensate them. Right. So it's like, to some degree, based on our origins and how we've we started here. I imagine that we had to equip ourselves with, as I stated earlier, some sort of mental fortitude to be able to withstand some of the bullshit that came our way in in the early settling days, like not showing fear, not showing weakness, not showing emotion, you know, you know, kind of bucking up, you know, you know, strapping your own bootstraps and, you know, kind of facing the day and dealing with the shit as it comes. And I think this is something that has perpetuated from generation to generation to generation. And, you know, for, for any of my old school listeners, this is something that your grandmom or, you know, your great auntie might refer to as a generational curse. Something that we've perpetuated through generation through generation that is the mentality that we carry still to this day. And something that at one point in time was a a huge success for us to conquer a trial or a tribulation that we as a people were in, I think can be the very thing that's a detriment to us in modern day society. 
so I, I do, do you feel that the, the, the mindsets of our people, not to, not to give an excuse, cause I'm, I'm, I'm not a believer in, in, you know, being a scapegoat or giving an excuse, but do you feel that based on the, the conditions that not only our forefathers went through, but even the conditions that some of our brothers and sisters today still go through, do you feel like what was an initially meant for a positive reinforcement is somehow becoming the detriment of our people as a whole? I mean, yes, I do. I do in a way, but we still have to look at the reality of where or the conditions that some of us are still in today. You know, some of us are in conditions where you you shouldn't be, you know, soft. Like you you can't walk around, you can't be soft. You got to be tough. Even if you feel like crying, you better not cry because you're a man. So nobody better not see you crying because you're from this hood. You know what I mean? Okay. So I think that that played a role. That plays a role that you discussed because that's been passed on from generations. But also the conditions that some of us are in today, it doesn't, they don't allow us to be the emotional beings that we're meant to be. Interesting. And I, and, and I would, I would have to second that and concur with the, the latter portion of uh, your statement, but then the question would rise. So obviously you being from Philadelphia, me being from Philadelphia, I don't necessarily know what area of Philadelphia you grew up in, but I'm just going to, based on your conversation. Shout out to earlier, South Philly. Shout out to South <laughs> Philly. Oh, you from the P. Yes, okay. I Orton Reed. Like, what are you talking about? Shut up. You didn't graduate from Orton Reed. Yes, I did. Wow. <laughs> it is a small world. I don't know why I felt like you was like some Northeast Uptown type chick. Like, oh, wow. <laughs> I, don't, I, don't, I don't know why I always got that vibe from you. Like, you was like the bougie Uptown. You made it in the Northeast wow. type. I'm just, I'm just saying that was, that was the vibe you gave off when we first crossed paths. I'm like, okay, sis, clearly from the Northeast. Like, she live up Castor or something. Like, oh man, no. <laughs> okay, okay. Well, so from from that perspective, being from South Philly, I was born on Twenty Third and Dickinson. I was raised in West Philly, but you know, I was born on Twenty Third and Dickinson. What would you say, like, so for someone who's listening who couldn't necessarily, their circumstances wouldn't allow them to show emotion. Maybe they're caught up in, you know, some kind of illegal activity and they're in the streets or, you know, like they have to live a bad life to take care of good people. Like you, you, you never really know. Not not to say that I subscribe to that. I want to be very clear. It's not to say that I do subscribe to that. But, you know, people's situations vary from circumstance to circumstance. And I believe a lot of what we go through can be very circumstantial. So what would your advice be to because obviously what you do is promote holistic wellness, right? So how do you have a conversation with a peer whom is from South Philly and is a single mom, you know, dealing with a, a low paying job and, you know, dealing with the certain stresses of life, her, her, the, the father of her child maybe doesn't respect her and doesn't help her with the, with, with the child. And she has all of these different triggers and stressors that she deals with from sunup to sundown, seven days a week, 365 days a year. But her, her environment tells her she can't be soft and she can't show weakness. What would you say from, from a mental health perspective, 
like what would you offer as advice to someone like that in in her position? You know, a, a moment. I do these things called a mindful moment, a mindful minute. Take a minute. It's okay to take a minute. Go in your go in the bathroom. You know, because you don't want your kids to see this, but it's okay to go into the bathroom and literally cry it out. I tell everybody from men to women that it is okay to cry. Like I've spoke to some men. I'm like, when have you ever cried before? And they're like, no, I've never cried. I'm like, you need to cry. It's okay to cry. And it's okay to not be the strong person. Even if you can just go in the bathroom, cry for five minutes. You know, us women, we like to take these long baths. Girl, go take your long bath and cry. Cry it out. But you know what? After you cry, I always tell people, when you cry once, don't ever cry again about the same thing. Once you cry it out, get your pen and paper out and and make a plan. Whether your plan is figuring out how to get you out of this situation, or your plan is to go to therapy, or if your plan is to just figure out how can I take five minutes every day this week to just go cry and take a break. Interesting. And I mean, I so for me... I am a single mom and I have had moments like my life, what my life is now. That's not what my life always was. My life, people see me now and they're like, oh my God, you, you're doing so great. You have this, you do that. And I'm like, listen, if you knew the backstory of what I had to go through, I was that mom. Like, listen, I was that mom that didn't know what the hell am I going to do with a three-year-old? Like at this point, it's just been me and my son since he was three years old. And I'm looking at him and he's looking at me and he's acting out because he doesn't know how to, um, you know, express his emotions because he's three. So all he knows is to throw tantrums and throw stuff. I'm trying to work two jobs and I'm getting called from work every day to pick him up because he's standing on the table, throwing his shoes at the teachers and they just don't want him there. Shout out to MJ. (laughs) (laughs) It's been plenty of days where I'm just... I'm looking at him. I'm like, listen. I empathize with you, sis. I empathize with you. I know. I would sit in my car. Before I would get to MJ school, I would sit in my car and I would cry. I would cry so bad. When I say cry, I mean like the ugly cry with snot coming down your face. <laughs> and I would because I'm like, this, this is my new normal. I don't know what I'm supposed to do with a three-year-old by myself because my son, he has a dad. My son has a great dad, but currently, you know, he can't be here right now. He can't be here in the aspect that he wants to be. But when he was here, it was him and my son a lot. And I was just always at work, you know, moving however I wanted to move. But now it's like, it's me and you. And I have to, I have to figure out how to pay these bills. And I have to figure out how to raise a three-year-old boy who is has red hair and he's acting like Dennis the Menace right now. <laughs> you know what? <laughs> so let me let me let me just I I, I want to channel that for a minute because I think I I I like what I'm hearing. So what did you do to overcome? Like so obviously you were used to a certain way of life, right? And you were used to the setup as it was prior to life throwing its curveball. You know, obviously we spoke about earlier, you know, no one is immune from life and life happening. So, you know, like, 
like I I, I want to hear what 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 did you do to 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 overcome your struggle? What did you do to overcome your situation? Because again, you, you uh, imagining obviously this 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 podcast topic this week is on mental health. I can only imagine the mental hell that you had to go through having to deal with some of the things that you were dealing with and having another life form depending on you. Like how, how, how did you find the mental fortitude to persevere through those times? Listen, I'm going to be a hundred percent transparent. Only, only maybe three of my friends might know this story. And I probably only have like five friends. And three of them know this, this story. This is breaking news. This is an exclusive. You heard it. You heard it here first. <laughs> but and I spoke about this before to some teenagers. But um, when I went through that moment, I had to do a lot of soul searching, and I didn't know where to start because I was just this like bougie girl. I got. I had. I was able to buy whatever I wanted. I lived in this nice condo, you know, but when stuff, you know, started going crazy, I had to leave, I had to leave my condo because ideally I couldn't afford to live there by myself. So now I'm sitting there with this kid. I have this house that I own, but the house is not even fixed up. So I'm sitting there with this kid. I have to move out of my apartment. And at this point I'm like, okay, where am I going? My mom, you know, me mom's the best, but she doesn't live in Philly. And she's like, you can come here with me. And I'm like, I don't want to live there. So I remember I packed up all my apartments, some of my close friends, they came, I put all of my stuff in storage and I had some stuff in my car that, you know, I knew I would need for my son as I figured out what we were doing. And I sat in the middle of the floor and I cried because I really did not know where I was going. Where, where am I going? So I remember I went to a certain person's house, not going to say their name. And I was there for maybe two, three days. And they treated me like shit. When this was somebody that was a close friend of mine, and I would give them the shirt off my back. I've always treated them phenomenal. And they treated me like shit. But this is a test. This was a test because you see how people really feel about you when you don't have shit. When you don't have nothing to offer, that's Talk when people about it. Wow. And that's wow. Two feelings. And so I ended up staying with one of my girlfriends who lived around the corner from the house that I owned that wasn't finished. Okay. And she gave me the keys. She was like, you know, I'm I don't stay here. She was um living with her child's father at the time, but she still had her own place. She was like, I don't stay here. You stay here for as long as you want. Listen, I stayed there. I want to say I stayed there maybe three or four months. She didn't charge me anything. She didn't ask me for a dime. Until this day, I always tell her. Friend, let's get a round of applause for a minute. Shout out to her. I'm like, I was homeless. And she's like, Ayanna, stop saying you're homeless. I'm like, I was homeless and you gave me somewhere to stay and I can never repay you for that. Dang. You gave me a place to set, stay for me and my son and you didn't ask me for a dime. You continued to pay the bills while I lived there because you knew I didn't have it. And during that time, it was one of the worst, like that moment broke me. If there was a moment in my life that broke me, it was that because I didn't have any money. I had this kid who I had to raise who was starting pre-K that September and I didn't know what to do. I cried every night of my life. Every night I cried because I didn't know what I was going to do the next day. And I remember one day, I was, um, I don't know what happened with my son. And I started, I bust out crying. 
And he came into the room and he saw me crying and he started crying. And I was like, hold on. That was like the moment where I had to check myself. I'm like, okay, hold on. My kid is crying because he's seeing me cry when he doesn't deserve this moment. You know how when you're on an airplane and they say you have to put put the put your um put your mask on first before you put your child on. Right, right. I said that was my reality moment of like, yo, wait, put your mask mask on on before you put put your mask mask on, put your hoodie on. You know how Meek do he tie it up before he freestyle? Put your mask on, put your hoodie on, tie it up, put your kid's mask on because you gotta get your shit together. Cause this kid is looking at you. He didn't ask to be here. So you gotta get your shit together, suck those fucking tears up, stop crying. And and do what you got to do. You got to do what you got to do. You got to save yourself. And in turn, that's going to save your kid. Mental fortitude. And, and since that day, I was like, yo, I'm never crying. I'm never crying over the same thing, over the same thing twice. I literally cried over not knowing what to do for three months. And once I figured it out, I worked two jobs. I, um, my mom, me mom, shout out to me mom. She helped shout me fix out my to house. Me mom again. <laughs> she helped me fix my house up. I moved in. That's I the worked. Wall house? Yeah. <laughs> That's Shout the out Green Wall crib. Shout out that. <laughs> I worked. I worked two jobs and I um I went back to grad school. I went part-time so that I was able to pay for my classes with cash. And me mom helped me pay for my classes. Okay. And every night my son would go to sleep and I would just study because I know that I never wanted to hit rock bottom like I did before. And that's all about being resilient. That's like the, the, resilience, the resilience and the hustler kicked into me. I'm like, wait, I can't be out here with nothing. You hear that, Bonquisha? Do you <laughs> hear that? Quee quee. You can like, do it, baby. Yana is giving you the keys for free. <laughs> free 99. Damn. Talk to him, Yana. Talk to him. Listen, I tell my friends all the time, like, if it's something you want to do, Write it down. Put it on paper. There you Put go. it on paper. Write the vision. Know. Make it plain. Let's Listen, go. Listen, not only believe that you can do it, but know that you can do it. There Execute it. Because when, gra- when I graduated, I took so long to graduate grad school. Oh, my gosh. But when I graduated, um, I think I, what I graduated, 2018, I think, May 2018. Okay. My son was right there. And to see the look on his face, his eyes woke up and everything. And he came up to me. He's like, Mom, I am so proud of you. I know that's right. I know that. And in that moment, I'm like, listen, I'm so glad he doesn't remember those four months that I cried when he was three years old. <laughs> I know that's right. Yo, but I think, yo, I think everything that you just said is so, so important. And I hope that my listeners are really grasping this. It's really, really important to understand that, as I stated in the beginning of this conversation, I want everybody to understand this. In pre-production, we did not rehearse this conversation at all. I let Ayana know. I told everybody my business and I don't like it. (laughs) Listen, listen, I let everybody, listen, I let Yana know for the past week, we've been setting this up and we've been talking. I let Yana know I was not give. I was not going to pre-screen the information that I was going to ask her and some of the things that we were going to talk about. Cause I am a huge proponent of, I, I have this infinity for candid banter, right? So I like authenticity. Give me your true authentic self. And Yana is delivering today. She is giving us true authentic gems and keys as to where she is now and how she got there. And I think- Go ahead, I'm sorry. Didn't I tell you that we were going pod tonight? Didn't I say that? Podding. We going up. Shout out to the pod. We podding right now. 
We going up. Meanwhile, yo, I finished both of my drinks. And I kind of want a second one. I mean, a third one, but whatever. I, it's cool. I get that a little later. But yo, we are potting tonight. Shout out to Jan for just listen. Kudos to you for having that mental fortitude and that wherewithal to really, you know, put two and two together and and figure it out. People, I I, I don't think people truly understand. Life happens. No one is immune to life. No one. I don't care what you do, what your race, religion, creed is. I don't give a fuck what your position is in life. Guess what? At some point or another, life will happen. And when life happens, you have to reach down, have that grit, have that mental fortitude to go and get what you know you deserve. Go and get and know what you want. One of the things that I would always say growing up, listen, I was born on 23rd and Dickinson. I was raised out 55th and Walnut, right? 56 and Walnut, right? So I, I was raised in the inner city. What people, what a lot of people don't understand about me, and I always tell people this, I don't currently, to this day, at 31 years old, I don't have a high school diploma. I don't have a GED. I don't have, I didn't, I, I, I didn't have the opportunity, unfortunately, to go to Bloomsburg University, even though I was in an upward bound program. I went to Westchester for the two weeks, and then I went to Bloomsburg for those three weeks in the summertime where they offered me a scholarship to go. But life happened to me. And because life happened to me, I never failed anything scholastically. I was never put in a position where I wasn't able to achieve. I, I, was, I was never the dummy. I was always the, 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 the smartest guy in the class. But when life happened, life didn't care about none of that. Life didn't care that I, I maintained a 3.7 GPA throughout my academia career. Life didn't care about that. Life didn't care about that, you know, I was more of a privileged black person. Life didn't care about that. Life hit. And when life hit, it came to the portion or, or or it came to the situation where I had to show resilience, like you stated. I had to show that mental fortitude. And I think one of the things that gets lost, especially within the black community. So we talked pre-production and we had the conversation about what really got me into developing this podcast and what got me into being aware of my mental health. Right. We discussed that. And the crazy thing is, I'm not going to shout out my cousin. I'm not, I'm not going to say her name, but I have I had a conversation with my cousin. She's like my best friend, right? Even if we don't talk every day, she's one of those type of people. Like we can go literally seven months without speaking, pick up a phone, call her, and we write back where we left. That's the type of relationship that we have. This cousin of mine. So I had this conversation with my cousin. I'm like, hey, yo, cuz, I'm going to therapy. I've decided that I'm going to therapy. You know, the first thing my cousin asked me. What's wrong? Like, immediately, it was like, nigga, what's going on? Fuck is up. You good? Like, it was, it like, it's always synonymous, and it's always like, uh, like, it's like you have to have an issue if you say you're going to go talk to someone. And one of the things that I, that, that I really wanted to bring to the forefront, and, and, and I wanted to ask your opinion on, there's this huge stigma on black people in the black community going to therapy. Now, in the midst of what you do, right? So obviously you're into holistic wellness. You are into, you know, the perfect work-life balance. You're into promoting this holistic healthiness. Why do you feel, one, that therapy has such a bad stigma in the Black community? And how do you think we can break that trend? Um, I think that, let me start with how you can break it. You can break it just by normalizing it. Talk about it. 
You know, uh, some people, uh, a lot of black people are actually in therapy, but they just don't talk about it. They don't talk about it because they may be a little bit embarrassed that they need somebody else to talk to or that they need um, help. But I think it's a stigma because you know, just as well as I know, that in the black community, it's like what happens in your house stays in your house. Well, and you're not true. supposed to tell anybody what happens. That's, that's a cultural thing for, for yes. anybody that listened that that's not a part of the black community. This is very cultural. Very just really really quick story time. It, I, I I I I couldn't say this any better. It's so crazy, and I had to check myself. So I recently, within the past month and a half, got back into working out. I had stopped for a while because I rolled my ankle real bad last year, thinking I was still like that bull playing ball with the kids. I, Fuck my shit up. I had to chill because I rolled my ankle super duper bad, but whatever. So I recently got back into working out, right? And now I'm up every morning at four o'clock. I take that moment to read a little bit. I take that moment to like meditate, get my mind together before I leave and go work on the physical temple, right? So I usually get to the gym around six o'clock in the morning. This is a true story. I bullshit you not. Every morning when I get there, I, I go to the gym at 19th and Market. I, I work on 20th and Market. So I go to the gym at 19th and Market at around 6 o'clock in the morning. I have my regimen. I go, I run about 20 to 30 minutes, you know, doing in between two and a half to three and a half miles. I have this like high intensity interval training that I do in this circuit, right? And then, of course, I take a shower and then I, I walk down the street to go to work. However, there are two gentlemen, right? Two gentlemen that are Caucasian who every time it's time to like clean up and take a shower, they strip butt ass naked in the <laughs> locker room. Like, I mean, asshole naked in the locker room. I mean, fucking, the shit is the wildest, most disturbing shit you, you would ever like not want to see. And like, in my mind, I'm like, nigga, I'm not trying to look at you. And it's like, what the fuck, bro? Like, go put something on. Like, you really on some bullshit right now? But what I had to realize, because it, it even happened this morning while I was at the gym, like the guy like gets butt ass nigga. He go he goes and gets on the scale, like barefoot with no clothes on. And I'm like, bro, you know other people use that thing, right? <laughs> like, this is not your personal scale. And then he like got off the scale, walked to the urinal, barefoot, no clothes on, <laughs> used the used the bathroom in the urinal, and then got in the shower. I say all that to say this. It's crazy culturally the big difference that we have. And I understand that it comes from a position of privilege. Even something as small and minute as that comes from a position of privilege. But it's definitely a cultural thing because I'm not stripping butt-ass naked in front of other men. Not that I have like a complex or anything, but I just believe in personal space and privacy. I'm I mean, not stripping butt-ass naked in the locker room. It's not happening. I don't know. But do you, the way I was raised. I don't know. I'm just not doing it. I was going to say, but do you know what some might say? Some might say that in that moment, yeah, you don't like it and you're uncomfortable because you're not comfortable with yourself. Some Look might that. say that. Look at that. I don't know who those some is, but some might say it. Some you might be ironic. That is but- absolutely fair. You know, no, 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 no. But that is absolutely fair because, so, well, obviously I have children, so I can't be the naked farm boy at home because I have three children that live in the house with me. And one of those children happens to be a daughter. Um, so I'm very respectful of how I carry myself within my household. However, prior to my daughter being born, I was the guy. I hate clothes. I'm the butt naked boy. I like to walk around my crib butt naked. So I don't necessarily think it's that. But even even in my home, it's crazy because even in my home, I have to try to stress to my son, like before you walk into my bedroom, you knock on the door. Before you open the bathroom when the door is closed, you knock on the door. When you go to use the bathroom. 
you knock on the door. If your sister's in the bathroom, you don't go into the bathroom. If your mom's in the bathroom, you don't go into the bathroom. Like, I don't know. I guess it was because the way I was raised and like how my mom raised me. Like, my mom didn't walk around and like, like undergarments right like my, my mom always either wore like a huge shirt or like had clothes on so it was never a time where I like seen my mom like half naked or like I ever had that moment where like I walked in in like an awkward moment with my mom doing something that I shouldn't have seen that never happened to me so growing up it was like it, it was just the nature of how I grew up we didn't normalize like I and and, and I told you we, we had this conversation off off air um my, my mom didn't really teach me how to be affectionate so because of that, because she didn't teach me how to be affectionate, all of that stuff stems to it where it's like it's like you have like this personal space, even though it's my mom or even though it's my son. Like, I don't walk into the bathroom when my son is in the bathroom. Like, that's my son's privacy time. So I'm not just going mean, to barge into the bathroom while he's there. So it's kind of I don't know. Like, I understand what you're saying as far as like people would say that you're uncomfortable with yourself, because I would certainly agree to some degree. But like like. Total, like from from a totality standpoint, it's more of how I was raised, and it's kind of like innate in me. Like I just, like I said, even with my son, I won't walk into the bathroom with my own son. Whom I now, I think that in your household and in the gym, those are two different things. I think those are because I'm definitely not walking around here in lingerie. Like you know, Mama got to have a life too. Even though I do have a life too, I'm definitely not. I'm definitely not strolling through the house and like negligees and stuff like that i do stay covered up because i i mean i have a son so but in the gym i'm not gonna say that i'm yeah i probably wouldn't be barefoot that's taking it too far i'm too scared that's what i'm saying from a from a germ standpoint it'd be like bro like you walked into a you're barefoot my nigga like people be missing the toilet you stepped in bp nigga like Like, i'm not i'm not rolling through no gym barefoot at all right right Taking it too far. <laughs> right. That's what I'm, that, that's all I was saying. I would just say, like, culturally, man, I think, but it's not just him. There's another white man who does the same exact shit, but all the brothers, now, all I the saw, brothers, yo, brothers don't play that shit. They come no. out the shower with their drawers on. I've, so, I've no, I know some black, I know black people do that. Some black people do that as well. Okay. Now, they won't be barefoot. But I feel like they stroll through, but they'll be like older. So I think it might be a generational thing because they'll be older. And I saw I've seen older women do it in the women's locker room. And it's like older black women. I saw them do it at the um, YMCA that I used to work at. So, you know, what? like our generation, we won't do that. But I've definitely saw some older like white um, black women do it and white women. So, you know what? Not for nothing. Not for nothing. I think it and and honestly, even just culturally, I think it has to do with and I don't know how the hell we got on this topic, but that's the best thing about this podcast, (laughs) this candid conversation. I honestly believe like. It's like a like a women thing in the black community because, for example, like like how how my daughter is with her mom, I I, I don't say it makes me uncomfortable, but like I sometimes try to impose how I was raised on them. For example, like I don't necessarily like my daughter going into the bathroom when her mom's in the bathroom. Right. And it's not that obviously like they're obviously two women like it's 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 normal. But I but I was so used to seeing like like when I first got married, like I couldn't understand her relationship and her mom's relationship. Right. 
Because like they would like go sit and have a whole conversation while they in the bathroom butt naked. And they'd be like, yo, that's weird. Like, why y'all doing that when like you don't want to cover yourself before you have a conversation about what's for dinner tonight? Like, I don't know. I guess I think it's like a women thing. Cause as guys, as men, any man that I know, any any black man that I know in my circle, not in my circle, any nigga I've grown up with. We've all done the same shit. I don't know. I I don't I, I don't know if it's just like a stigma with the black men, but definitely black women are more comfortable with being free amongst each other. But black n- n- niggas don't do it. <laughs> just niggas. That would, that would niggas. be that would be pause, right? Right. I did it right that time, right? That would be ultra pause. ultra pause. <laughs> pause that son. That's a pause. Shout out to Harlem for that. It's a pause moment. <laughs> You all the way both. But no, no, no. Back on back on track. Back on track. Back on track. So about kind of so you, you talked about how to eliminate or to stop that stigma with going to therapy. What would you think like as far as like do you feel that therapy is a helpful or useful tool? So in your line of work of what you do, do you ever recommend therapy to physicians or nurses or janitors? Like in, in your programs that you create and you write to facilitate healthy, holistic living, do you ever promote um, ther- like going to therapy as an option or an outlet? Um, I, so it all it depends on what the person is coming to me for. More than likely, I will recommend them to our EAP services. Shout out but to I, the EAP, man. Damn. Right. Love the so, employee assistance program, okay? <laughs> Can we just talk about that? I love the fucking employees <laughs> in this program, especially at my job. We get free shit. So shout out to the EAP. I definitely have recommended people to EAP. But what I will say is, and some people know this, I put my own son in therapy at one point. Okay. And it worked wonders. Because I'm just like, he was so much calmer and now he's a much more calmer kid than he was before, but he really just enjoyed being able to talk to somebody that wasn't me. And, you know, I felt a little bit a type of way, but of course you, you're probably not going to talk about me to me because you think you're going to get in trouble. Um, but it was great. It was great for him. He was, he, um, I actually used our EAP services at my old job because it was free. Like you said, free Shout 99. Shout out to the EAP. <laughs> Shout out to them. Cause that's damn sure how we did family therapy through that motherfucking EAP. Okay. Listen, I agree. Listen, you got free resources. I'll tell everybody use to them. use it. Use them. Yep. He was in it there and they communicated with his school's um, counselor so that they could support him as well at school. And it was one of the, I think that it was one of the best things that I I did for my kid. Awesome. So I can't speak on, you know, how it helps anybody else. But for my kid, I think it was the best thing that I did. And I want to go to therapy. I just haven't really had the time to look into it yet. Okay. But when people come to me with different problems, depending on what the problem is and the extent of it, I do recommend them to the to our EAP services. Awesome, awesome. And I and and I just want to like kind of uh, uh, regress just a little bit. Something that you said that I, th- I think is very very important, and I hope the black community catches this because one of the things that I think it was like the 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 best trick that that the the, the white man put in the black minds that has perpetuated from generation to generation. Unfortunately, if you have free resources. Use them. I want to repeat that. Mm-hmm. If you have free resources, 
Use them. It doesn't mean it's beneath you. It doesn't mean that you're a charity case. Because guess what? The white community, they love free. They love it. If you yep. ha- if the, whatever resources they have and the and, and 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 from from a place of of uh, uh, um, privilege, they expect it in s- to some degree. Listen, I was gonna say not only do they do they expect it, they'll fight for it and they'll fight be looking for it. So they can get and look at you crazy when when you tell them that they ain't qualified for it. Trust Use me, your free resources. There Use are. It. Very good free resources out there, especially when it pertains to mental health. And most of the time, you know, what people don't know is that their job offers those free resources and they just haven't looked into it. Of course. So true story, just kind of a true plug. The only reason why me and my family started therapy was because I started working for a company that offered the EAP. So once I started the company that I'm at right now, I started with them a little over three years ago. That was the first company that I ever went went to that offered a free EAP. Any other jobs that I've ever went through, they had an EAP, but it was very limited services. So I don't know if it's like a mandate um, where they have to offer certain things through the EAP, but the company that I am at now offers, and I, and I, I want to be very clear so people understand this, six free face-to-face yes. therapy sessions. Preach. But 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 listen to this. The kicker is per issue, not in totality. So I can literally get six free counseling sessions with a licensed therapist for each idiosyncrasy that I have in my life. Each. Yeah, we going back to the big words. Okay. Okay. We're conversating, man. This is a conversation. This is a conversation. But no, if you like literally, like, and and again, I understand because I am a product of my neighborhood. So you couldn't get me to say I am going to pay a therapist. I didn't see the benefit in it. I didn't see the 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 resource in going to speak with um an un unadulterated, unbiased ear. Right? Now Wait, now, before you go forward, can we just take it a one step back so I can just remind them? Because we keep throwing out the word EAP, but I wanted I want to make sure they know what that is. EAP is an employee assistant program. Shout out it's to voluntary. It's a work-based program that offers free and confidential assessments, short-term counseling, referrals, and follow-up services to employees who have personal or work-related problems. I know we keep throwing out the acronym of EAP because we know what it means, right. but I want them to know what it means. So if they can go to their employer or their HR representative and find out like, hey, do we have free EAP services? Employee Assistant Program. Definitely. That's very, very important. Yes, Employee Assistance Program. If you don't know, go check it out. It is incredible. You know, so and now you know. Listen, I'm telling you, the, the craziest thing, I would have never, ever gone to therapy or I would have never, ever seen the value in therapy had it not been for the EAP. The EAP single-handedly trained, changed my life. Because when I realized that I had this conversation before on this podcast, I had this conversation in pre-production with uh, Ayana. The moment that I was unable to affectionately touch my son, and that's simply holding hands to show some sort of affection. I realized that I had a problem. 
Not something that I was proud of. Not something that I necessarily wanted to open up and admit. But I understood that I had an intrinsic problem within me that was embedded in my DNA, something that was taught to me by my environment, by my my my, my parents, by my guardian, whoever. I, I had something that was wrong with me that needed to be addressed because what I didn't want to do. Here's the thing that I think is very, very important. And everybody who's a parent, I think, needs to understand this. The reason why we are stressing black mental health in this podcast episode today is because what you fail to clean up, what you fail to correct as a parent, as an adult, you perpetuate on your child. Yes. Yes. I want to be very, 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 very clear about this. What you fail to clean up, what you fail to address, what you fail to get help with, If you have children, even if you don't have children, anyone that is connected to you, you perpetuate the same bad behavior, the same bad habits. I had a situation where, uh, like you, my oldest son, Junie, me and his mom, we expect almost excellence from my son, right? Because not that, you know, we are very fortunate that we are able to provide a very comfortable life for our children, right? Well, Junie be losing his hats and gloves. Let's start he off do, with that. He do, he do, he <laughs> do. Shout out to that. Shout out to Yon for having a good memory. Because Junie, Junie don't have a hat this year because you know why? He lost that shit. And I told him, motherfucker, you're not getting another one, okay? We're not even through winning and the nigga lost like three. We're not even going to talk about how many water bottles this motherfucker lost this year. And he had to forfeit, forfeit uh, fucking allowance every week. He he actually asked me about allowance over dinner on Wednesday. Hey, Dad, when am I going to get allowance again? Motherfucker, when I say you're going to get it again. Because I can't even tell you how much shit I have replaced it because your ass can't keep it. You gotta yeah. put a you gotta put your PO box in the bio when you listen. I'm getting ready to put my cash app, but go fund me. My son, my son is something else, yo. Seriously, I had a moment. So you see how I quit that came out, yo. That was that was a, that was a trigger for me. Was trigger. <laughs> she triggered me right there, man. She she triggered me. But no, no, on a serious note, it's crazy because my son was having a situation where you know, and I understand his influence, it's his peers. He was in a new school. Um, so he was learning different things. And I understood that things was things were working a little bit different for him. So one of the things that my son, so my son has very basic. So in my household, because of how how um, important we believe uh, mental health to be, one of the biggest things in my household is every Saturday we have a family meeting. The reason why we have a family meeting is one of the biggest myths And I want to break this myth now. One of the biggest myths in the black community are kids are to be seen and not heard. Stop the bullshit. Cut it the fuck out. That is such a terrible mantra to have. And I get, again, we talked about it in the beginning of the the podcast where we talked about how our uh, forefathers, our ancestors may have had to adapt a mindset that that was appropriate for that time. In this day and age in 2020, that is a terrible mindset to preach to your children. Why? Because children feel, children think. And think about how you felt when your mom or your dad or your grandmom or your auntie told you that shit. 
when you knew you 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 felt something or you were passionate about something you need the room and the space and the opportunity to actually release that because if you don't guess what then our children then we wonder why our children are hanging out in the streets and turning to prostitution and drugs and all all, all of the all of the kinds of shit because of what you failed to do as a parent to allow your kids the opportunity to release something to you. So one of the biggest things in my household, ever since we started going to therapy, every Saturday we have a family meeting. The construct of our family meeting is simple. We talk about any business that we have going on, anything that's coming up. You know, my son is in extracurricular activity, so we talk about schedules for the week. But we also make a, a, a segment where, you know, if there's anything that you want to tell us, either mommy or daddy, anything that you want to tell us, you can tell us in, a, in, in an unpunished environment. Of course, you have to tell us in a respectful way, but you are able to say whatever it is that you want and you can't be punished for it. That's a rule in this house, right? So we've had conversations and it's wild because my daughter's only five. So I've had conversations with Ouija about her telling me things that she did not like about me. And if I was in the same mindset, and I'm serious, like my daughter would tell me, like, so people that know me and know, you know, um, like follow me on Instagram, know that I love New York City, right? So I usually take my little trips to New York City, my rendezvous, and I stay overnight and I come home. One mm, rendezvous. She said, this is a rendezvous. Listen, <laughs> listen, listen. The one thing that my daughter said, my daughter said, dad, I don't like when you go out because when you go out, you take forever to come home. And this came from the mouth of a babe. Like my daughter was four at the time when, when she voiced this. And I can't argue with you. What can I say about a four-year-old expressing that she doesn't like when I leave the house to go on the weekends when I decide to go to New York City? So that's one of the reasons why I had to cut back traveling to New York City as, as much as I, as, I, as I was. Because my daughter voiced that it like she did not like that. And I respected her opinion. One of the other things that I, that I wanted to bring up while we were talking about this was I had a scenario where Junie doesn't have a lot to do. In order for my kids, we have a three-strike policy in my house. Three-strike policy pretty much means if before the family meeting you earn three strikes, you don't get allowance, you don't get screen time for that weekend. My kids are not allowed to play any of their electronic toys during the week. So no iPad, no tablet, no Switch, no Xbox, no PS4, no none of that. You can't. Well, good. How many options do they have? Homework and read. You got books. No, I'm talking about how many on the weekend. They just in there like they invest. You do whatever you want. You listen, my kids. When when you work for it, I believe in rewarding as well. So, hey, listen. If you work for it, you, you you get the reward. So I believe in allowing them the opportunity to do that. So again, you do what you're supposed to do at school and at home. You get those things. However, if you get three strikes for that weekend, you're in your room, no TV, you can't do anything. No, I'm not allowing you to read. You can't do anything. I want you to be bored and think about what you did. You can't even do anything constructive. Sit in your room. Don't play with anything, right? So my son was getting into this habit where he was like weekend after weekend losing his his freedom, right? And it was simple things. Like the only thing that he has to do at home is take out trash and make sure his bed is, is made. That's it. Right. But my son has such a one track mind. Now, at school, I get reports that, oh, my God, your son is so great. He's so sweet. He's a joy to be around. He's so responsible. But at home, I don't know what the fuck this little nigga be doing at home because he don't exhibit this shit at the crib. Okay, so the situation (laughs) where he was doing the same shit and we have a golden rule in my household. Never take anything from anyone unless it's um, uh, an adult, meaning like someone that we entrust you with, a teacher, someone at your school that is a trustworthy adult. 
and that's it. Or, 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 or me or mom. You're not allowed to accept anything from a friend, some stranger, none of that shit. Well, my son came home. He had like this slinky in his bag. And I didn't, it was crazy because I didn't check it. I, didn't, I usually check his bag on Friday night. I check everybody's bag on Friday night just to make sure. But this particular Friday night, I didn't check it. Well, Sunday rolls around and I check it. My son has, has a slinky. Well, Junie, where'd you get the slinky? So he comes up with this elaborate story of how he got it through dojo because he had enough dojo points and his teacher let him pick that out of the thing. So I said, okay, I'm going to substantiate what you just said by texting your teacher right now. So I text his teacher. The moment I text his teacher, my son was like, wait, 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 wait. I changed my mind. I want to tell you what really happened. And I'm like, oh, nah, nigga. It ain't no changing now because you already said what you said. So if you're lying, now you done fucked up because I had to be, you know, Inspector Gadget. And I just want to be clear for anybody that's listening. I don't curse at my children. I don't curse around my children. So this is just conversation with adults right now. What I wanted to say, but obviously was very, very, very PJ. But I said, no, you done already said this. So if it's anything else different, you know you messed up. Of course, come to find out, that's not what happened. <laughs> that wasn't the truth. His friend wound up giving it to her. So I'm like, cool. You lost your allowance. I'm taking your allowance back for this weekend. And you can't do anything. So I remember I had went and got in the shower. And all I remember was, again, he had kept getting in trouble after trouble after trouble. And I hear him talking to his mom. and But I can't hear what they're talking about. But I hear them talking. So I'm like that newsy dad. Like, I need to know, like, what you're doing, how you're doing it, where you're going. Like, I'm I'm that dad. I'm like the annoying dad. So when I got out of the shower, understand the dynamic between me and their mom. She's the more nurturing, caring one. I'm more stern and like, like, yo, I will like beat you the fuck up. Like, stop playing with me. Like, I'm I'm that dad, right? So when I got out of the shower, I'm like, okay, well, what happened? So his mom tells me what happens, and she's like, Well, you know, Junie. For for it like to sum it up, Junie said that you know he's he's disappointed because he doesn't feel like he's a he's ever going to be a good kid, and I understand like the first thought that came wow. To me, so check it. The first thought that came to me, first thought that came to me was, what motherfucker? If you do what you're supposed to do, then you See, wouldn't yeah. get in trouble. Right? Yeah. That was the first. Listen, that was the first, and I'm being honest. I'm being very honest. That was the first thought that came to me, but this is after I started therapy. And this is after I started reading. And this was after I started meditating and understanding that those bad behaviors that my mom or my dad would have did, that I was so quick to rattle off because it was in me, I checked myself before I went to him. It's a true story. I checked myself before I went to my son. I took a moment, finished on what I was doing in the bathroom, put my pajamas on. I walked out to him and I said, Junie, come here. I said, give me a hug. You're an amazing kid. You're the best kid a dad could ever ask for. You sound like Kevin Hart right now. I'm, Go ahead. I'm being, I'm being so honest. This was a real authentic moment. It's it's giving me chip, like goosebumps thinking about that moment. Because at that moment, I realized I had a breakthrough. Yes. Because before I would have snapped out and be like, man, I'm not trying to hit it. That's BS. Do the right thing and you won't get in trouble, as most black parents would do. But because I understood that what I was trying to perpetuate for my children and what I wanted my kids to understand, it was important for him in that moment to understand that I loved him, mm-hmm. that it was important, that that he does matter, he's a great kid and he's important, and that I'm always going to back him 115%. 
And from that one particular moment, that one particular instance, it's really shaped our relationship. Now, don't get me wrong. I don't want anybody to think that I'm a perfect dad because I'm far from a perfect dad. There's a lot of things that I can still do, a lot of things that I can still improve on. But this, don't worry, we, we don't we don't think you're perfect. But continue. Oh, uh, <laughs> you're lucky I can't see what I want to say. But but needless to say, you have to start somewhere. And I think this is one of the reasons why I wanted to bring Ayana onto the show today because I understood that she would have been able to conversate with me in regards yes, to what mental health is. And I and and it's really and and I hope that we are getting it across to you that mental health matters it matters in ways that that you may not think they matter but if you have someone that depends on you if you have someone that you are connected to this was my thought before i can be a better human being before i can be a good father before i can be a good husband before i can be a good friend i have to first start by being a good person and a good human being. Because if I'm no good to myself, I can't be any good to anyone else. And this is coming from someone who loves to give and take care of people. Someone who has a passion and an infinity for that. And I think it's very, very critical, very, very important, like what Ayana highlighted earlier in this podcast about doing just that. You can't always give, 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 take care, take care, take care, take care, and break down yourself. You have to be in the best shape, not just physically. You have to be in the best shape mentally. And I want to be clear, just because you speak with someone doesn't mean there's a problem. If you go for physical, doesn't mean anything is wrong. You're just checking in to make sure all the vitals are, are, are checking out good. It's the same thing with mental health. Speaking with someone doesn't mean you have a problem. Speaking with someone simply means you are mature enough and responsible enough to check the gauge of your own mental capacity and how you maneuver and operate in in this world. I think that, so for me, one of my, this is one of my favorite quotes. I don't know if you remember my earlier Instagram, I will post like quotes that I wrote on post-its when I was at work. one of my favorite quotes is, I'm trying to find my own version of what makes me feel beautiful. And that's from Tracy Ellis Ross. Every day is about finding the, your own version of what makes you feel comfortable comfortable with being yourself and what makes you feel comfortable in these different, um, these different scenarios that you're placed in in life, these different curveballs that you're placed in in life. So people have to find their own healthy medium. And that's what managing your mental health is all about. Finding your own mental, healthy medium for what makes you feel comfortable. Amen. I agree. Amen 100%. Listen, listen. I enjoyed, like thoroughly enjoyed this conversation, speaking with Ms. Ayana today in regards to mental health. I hope that something that we have shared today was helpful, inspirational, and in some way leading to some people to go out and get help, talk to someone, reach out, utilize that employee assistance program. If you have it, use that EAP. It is, it is critical to everyday living. Check your mental health. Check it out. It, is, it, it doesn't, again, you are not less of a man. You are not less of a woman if you go and check the temperature of your mental health. Go do it. 
I, I promise you it will make the world of difference. Listen, before we get out of here, um, I switched something up a little bit. Typically, I would drop some nuggets. I would drop um, some some reads or some music that I would you know typically listen to. Um, so I want Yana to kind of plug in. Um, she's going to she she's she's really big on reading. I actually bug her sometimes when she posts her what she's reading through through social media. I'll bug her and ask her what she's reading, and she's actually giving me some good um, some good topics or some good titles to go out and purchase to read. Like one of the biggest ones I would say is mindset. My girl, S, uh, Carol S. Dweck, PhD. Yes, that yes. is my book. It was an incredible fucking read. One of yes. the best books I've ever read on mindset and mental health and just mental fortitude. I fucking love the book, okay? So- Yes. Thank you. Shout out to for putting me on to that because I'm looking at it right now on my library, but it was an incredible read. Um, but I, I just want to kind of pass the floor to you uh, for now. Um, uh, so th- this this is the part of the segment, typically what happened before the conversation, but this is part of the segment where you offer a read with the author and this will be considered the read of the month. So what is your suggestion for our listeners as far as a read of the month? Okay, so currently this is what I'm reading and it's good so far. It's called Feel the Fear and Do It Anyway. It's by Susan Jeffers. And it's it's really good. It talks to you about um, just getting over your moments of fear and knowing that you're not the only person that experiences fear before you're doing something new, before you're starting a relationship, ending a relationship, and whether that relationship is with a lover or just getting a job. You know, anything that creates fear or or anxiety in your life, it shows you how to cope through that. It gives you some good mantras in here, some good quotes, and I'm really enjoying it. Cool. Go pick that up. Can I, Is that something you can get at like Amazon or Barnes & Noble? Is that it's a fairly easy uh, title to pick up? You can get it from Amazon, and you want to know what's funny? My manager actually gave me this book. Okay. She's amazing. Amazing black lady. She's so dope. Cool. But again, it's uh, Feel feel the Fear and Do It Anyway by Susan Jeffers. Susan Jeffers. Awesome, awesome, awesome. I'm also going to just piggyback on that. Two things that I'm still reading and I think are incredible, incredible reads, um, you know, just to give uh, my listeners some nuggets so you have a plethora of things to read. Uh, one of the things that I am studying in the morning during my meditation session, if you will, um, I am reading The Deepest Well. And I know I've plugged this before, but I really took my time to go back over the book because I feel like it was a great, great read. It's by um, Dr. Nadine Burke Harris, MD. Um, and the second portion of the title is Healing the Long-Term Effects of Childhood Adversity. It is an incredible book. This is a black doctor. She does um, TED Talks. So she has an incredible TED Talk where she talks about this. She's from the Bay Area, but she is really, really, really intelligent. And some of the things that she's talked about has helped me, um, even at 31 years old, to try to reverse some bad health Um uh, statistics about myself, along with mental health statistic statistics about myself. So that's one of the books that I'm still reading, and I'm and I've read this more than once. So it's nothing wrong with rereading a book. The other book was provided by my job's book club. Um, yes, my job has a book club, and yes, I'm a part of it. Fuck everybody that got a problem with it. Um, yes, it's that, very, very bougie, but anyway, whatever, whatever. The name <laughs> the name of this book is Make Your Bed. And it's by Admiral William H. McCarvin. I'm sorry, McRaven. Um, and 
what it says, it says, this is the, the, the book of the little things that can change your life and maybe the world. One of the things that I like about this book is, um, and I'm sure Ayana, you, you could appreciate what I'm getting ready to say. This is a very easy read. And what I mean by easy read, the setup of the, the, of the passages itself is more anecdotal. So it's kind of like, um, it's very um, like um, affirmation-esque in the book. So it's not an incredibly hard book to read. You can really whip through the book really quickly. But one of the things that uh, uh, Admiral William McRaven talks about in this book, something that I do naturally because I have like terrible OCD, but he talks about setting up a task in life right and that one task being making your bed every morning and what he says is in like he 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 trained to be a navy seal and obviously he grew to become an admiral what he talks about is one of the things that's really preached about in service is having a neat uniform and making your bed and he said doesn't matter what you do throughout the rest of the day those two things are vital to the start of your day why? Because they are small, immediate goals that you can attack and you can build on from there. So if you take one small goal, whatever that thing is, like my, my small goal in the morning, waking up when that alarm clock hits four, getting out of bed, having my coffee, reading my, my uh, uh, literature that I'm studying at the moment, and having at least 10, 10 minutes to meditate um, in the morning before I get my day started. That's a small goal for going to the gym, doing two and a, at least two and a half miles on the treadmill within 20 minutes and then doing my high intensity workout that's another small goal with me and i can tell you this anytime that my mornings don't start the way i want them to start i'm very systematic in how i approach life anytime my mornings don't start with reading meditation um and coffee my day is like literally off each and every time it doesn't start that way so again make your bed little things that can change your life and maybe the world by admiral william h mcraven another incredible book um definitely go and pick that up also um yana go ahead and plug in what you're listening to give the people your vibe you know what music you listen to listen we don't always got to listen to hip-hop i love hip-hop but it's not always about hip-hop so go ahead and plug in you know what you're currently listening to um you know and through, through them tunes so listen, who I told you I was listening to, I'm not even going to plug that one. It's another, it's a girl that I'm listening to okay. that I really want to plug. Um, her name is Mariah the Scientist. Okay. And her album is called Master. And she just has these songs, reminders, note to self and not a love, not a love song that I just really enjoy. But it's Mariah the Scientist, and the album is called Master. Just added that to my album music, just so everybody knows. It, it, it's, it's, it's good. She has, I'm gonna let you know the four songs that I have on heavy rotation when I feel like I wanna block a nigga. <laughs> okay, okay, fair. That's fair. I can tell you, no to you is one of them for sure. Because I'm looking at that shit right now. No to you, thanks for nothing, probably another one. Hey, listen, they, I listen, I literally listen to thanks for nothing almost every day. Oh, shit. <laughs> oh, shit. oh man. 
Oh, uh, well, you know what? I added her, so I'm actually looking forward to uh, listening to this album. I'm I love eclectic music, things that are different. Um, you know, so I'm definitely going to check out uh, Mariah the Scientist. I literally just added her to my Apple Music, so I will check her out within the next couple oh. of days. And should I plug my social media? Absolutely. I'm I'm I'm, I'm gonna get you there in two seconds. Give me like thirty seconds, real quick. So one of the things that I listen to um, that I think is really 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 good. It's an old album. I think I may have plugged it previously. Um, but it's a really eclectic album and I really love it. Uh, give me one second, cause now I'm not even pulling it. Okay, here it is. So um, the, the the name of the artist is Jamie Isaac and the name of his album is Couch Baby. It is such a soothing, eclectic album. Um, it says it's alternative, but I feel like it's like neo-soul R&B alternative, if you will. Okay. It's a really, really good album, um, but get the Revisited album, because the Revisited album has more um, songs on it. Um, but if you if you put that on, I promise you won't be disappointed. Um, it's a really, really good song. Again, that person is Jamie Isaac. The name of it is Couch Baby. But look I'm up here. the Revisited um, album, and it's, it's, it's really 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 good it's pleasant for the ears listen yana i appreciate you so so much so much for coming on to the show i'm definitely going to have to bring you back on so we can continue to banter continue the conversations um definitely um you can reach me um so uh instagram and social media plugs currently uh, my personal page is hefsky out um at hefsky out um if you're looking uh for any styling needs you can check me out at distinguished stylings you can also uh follow uh the podcast and when things drop on instagram at taylor talk podcast my my uh twitter handle is the same as my personal instagram handle which is hefsky out and if you you have any comments or any thoughts about today's episode or if any topics that you would like to be discussed on the on the show email me at tellertalkpodcast at gmail.com again that is tellertalkpodcast at gmail.com yana your, your, your social media plugs um so my twitter is truth is underscore yan y-a-n bad with two d's and my my Instagram is Truth is Yan. That's Y A N again. With uh, Truth is Yan Bad. That has four D's. Pause on the four D's. <laughs> but it has four Thank D's. <laughs> <laughs> so yes, that's my handle. And you know, make sure you follow me. But also remember that my Instagram does not directly. <laughs> That's not directly, you know. Don't just be my little random thoughts, but just follow me. You know what? I I will say, you know, if you follow me on Instagram and you follow me on social media, you can follow Yan because clearly who we are as people and how we articulate our thoughts is not always what what comes off. It does not directly correlate with what we do for a living. It doesn't always align morally with who we are. So it's okay. It's our spirit animals. Just follow us. I guarantee you're going to get a good chuckle again. Jan, it was a pleasure having you on. I'm definitely going to have you back so we can have another conversation. As always, listen, love on somebody, talk to somebody, hug on somebody, do something good for somebody. And most importantly, love on yourself, hug on yourself, check your mental health, 
do it black people it's important it's not taboo it's not terrible until next time peace and love we out